All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Film Roundtable. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Maria Prieto, and I'm here to moderate a really exciting conversation between two guests that I've been dying to speak to. But before I introduce them, uh, I, want to, I want to lead us through a moment of silence to honor all 5,203,401 reported worldwide COVID deaths as of today. And we're recording this on November 29th, 2021. We would also like to honor all of our Black, Brown, and Asian brothers and sisters, as well as our First Nations brothers and sisters, whose lives have been taken by the hands of police brutality and other senseless acts of violence. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Um, for those who've been tuning in from the beginning, you know, we've been holding these moments from the very beginning of Film Roundtable. We launched this during COVID. We are very aware of the situation happening worldwide. And we've just found that it's really remained a way for us to focus on what's happening and not get distracted by life, which has really fully begun to feel like it's fully moving full throttle again. But, you know, we have to be conscious of the world that we're living in. So without further ado, I've been looking forward to this conversation, like I said, for a while. So our first guest is Mexican producer Nicolas Celis. His films have screened at the most prestigious festivals around the world, and his most recent film, Prayer for the Stolen, is Mexico's submission to compete for the Academy Award nomination for Best Foreign Film. And in 2018, Nicolas received an Academy Award nomination for his work as producer on Roma. So Nicolas, welcome to the roundtable. Pleasure to have you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to talk to you uh, on this amazing podcast. Thanks, Maria. Of course. And joining us is producer Adela Romanski. Adela has produced several notable independent films, such as Under the Silver Lake, Gemini, and Morris from America. She received an Academy Award, a Golden Globe Award, and an Independent Spirit Award for her role as producer on Moonlight. Adela, it's an absolute delight to welcome you. Pleasure to be here. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey. Well, there's a lot I want to dive into, but my first question has to do with the two of you and your working relationship and how that developed and, you know, your friendship and, you know, just kind of like the inception of the two of you and how we ended up talking together, the three of us. So Adela, could you talk a little bit about how you met Nico and how that's blossomed? I have to go first. I wanted to hear what Nico says about our <laughs> Me too. I'm glad you go first. Please. <laughs> um, we met, we met uh, in, what was that, 2018, 2018? Yeah. yeah. And I think we had met briefly that summer um, at the Sundance Resort, but really the relationship blossomed because of the, um, Beale, if Beale Street Could Talk and Roma were both um, releasing and, and doing the festivals and doing all of the sort of um, what we call the circuit around the fall festival season and fall film season and and we got to see each other a lot um our crew our beale street crew and the roma crew and i think i think there was a, a real sense of kindredship i guess like you guys felt like a real family and uh and and projects have that same circles reflected in you guys and just really hit it off Nico, do you have something to add? <laughs> Nico's like, say yeah. more, say more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, her, her part of the story is correct. 
<laughs> but uh, you know, we, we spent some time in in, in Sundance. It was it was great because you know it was kind of my first event. I would say that I wanted to stay. Like all my career was always in Mexico and Europe, and you know we spent some time there. Then in Toronto, I remember I had a meeting with Adele and her team, and we had like a proper meeting while the awards were going to happen in Venice for. For, for Roma, the, the award ceremony were taking place. So I was trying to be complete, like very professional, very, you know, like a, not being aware of my cell phone or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, after we said bye, we ran to our hotel just because we were having, you know, some, some drinks and everything. And uh, that's where it all started for me in terms of the campaign for Roma. And that's, you know, we, we met in all the events, you know, we started becoming friends and you know I think that's you know we haven't found any particular project to work on together but I don't know I think we kept the best part which is you know being friends more than just doing a project and, and everything and you know she comes to Mexico I go to to I went for to LA for the first time a couple of weeks ago and uh, you know it's still an open book <laughs> I mean, yeah, How was your first time, right? Like, no, I don't think you, maybe your first time since all the COVID, COVID mm. restrictions yeah. and stuff and travel restrictions. Um, I was going to say, it's only, it feels like it's only a matter of time before we find a project, but also like, sometimes I wonder if we shouldn't find a project. <laughs> we have such a, we, we have such an amazing friendship and also it is a, it is a professional support structure where we, where we do ask each other, like producer to producer, for help, opinions, input. I don't know. I, I sometimes get nervous to rock the boat with like the chaos that is can be, you know, filmmaking and collaboration. Mm -hmm. I mean, something that I've noticed with both of you is that you kind of have found filmmaking families. And, you know, Adela, you've worked with the same kind of core group of people in several projects, Nico, you as well. So I feel like that's something that you guys saw within each other. And you're like, all right, you clearly are someone that attracts good people and stays around those good people. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome that you guys have that kind of relationship. Wait, is that an argument for working together or for not working together? Um, I, yeah, it's tricky, it's tricky. It's tricky, because you're right. It's one of those where if the, if it's not broken, just maybe yeah. keep it this way, but it could, you guys could find an amazing project and it could be, you know, don't I feel it has its own, you know, pace. I, I love that, uh, as Adela just mentioned, is that I can, you know, reach to her and see, you know, ask for advice, you know, sometimes we're doing completely different projects, you know, mm. and, and even we don't even discuss sometimes the title of the projects or the details of the project. It's just, you know, like kind of, you know, sometimes you need somebody that can understand you that, I don't know, I feel that for me, I'm, I'm looking for collaborations in long term. And, uh, and I think, you know, like you want to be with good people, with people that you, you like the way they think, how they move in life and, and uh, I would say that so far, that's where we are. Hmm. Hmm. I love that. Um, Nico, you founded your production company, Pimienta Films, in Mexico City in 2008. I would love to hear a little bit about how that started, um, what the first years were like, what 
you know, your mission is in terms of the projects you're producing. Yeah, I, I, I created Pimienta when I was, you know, um, 23. I don't know, you know, how I had that the courage at that time and how I put, you know, things together. But I can I can assure you that it's it was the best decision I could I, I could have made. You know, I, uh, the only thing I've missed since the beginning is that I opened my company by myself. And, you know, I was always wondering if I needed partners, you know, like it's such a hard job that, mm. uh, you know, that uh, I, I think that producing that that's the only thing I've done in the in the industry. It's it's very, you know, uh, it's uh, it never ends, you know, movies projects never end you know they when you think that you know you 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 turn the page that you know they came alive one year or two years later and and it's always tough so you know i will always wanted you know to to know what it was having a partner and uh, and i feel that i what, what i can recognize i built uh, in the company in these years is freedom that i have creative freedom that's kind of my biggest asset in that sense that you know, I, I feel that doing independent films, it's not easy. Uh, and and uh, and I've managed to, you know, to work with the filmmakers I like and to tell the stories I like. And that's, you know, something that it's a privilege in a way. And I'm very happy that, uh, you know, it's the joy is very comparable to, to, the, to the amount of work in that sense. So, you know. Mm -hmm. Hmm. What were, how did you find some of those first projects? I mean, at 23 years old, where were you looking for projects? I, I think I still look in the same places because uh, for some of my most important projects came from, I don't know, I would say mistakes or, you know, that I was not supposed to be in those projects. You know, somebody quitting, somebody thinking that it was too risky and, you know, and, 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 and those projects that were looking for a producer kind of opened a door for me. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know, it's, I look for projects in the most natural places, just in a conversation, just, uh, uh, you know, somebody that I just met tells me something amazing. It's not that, you know, I keep reading random scripts. It's just, you know, connecting mm -hmm. with the people, you know, knowing that that filmmaker, the, the director will not quit and leave me with tons of problems, you know, like I, 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 I value, you know, other aspects more than the talent. You know, mm -hmm. I want to work with people that, you know, that can cross the desert with me and, 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 and not uh, die in the, in the process. And it's hard, but uh, I feel that uh, it, films have to, to have a lot of work in the process and a lot of time invested and the talent it's kind of uh, um, subjective so i rather invest in, in 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 people and in projects that i feel that you know it's not uh, it, it, that it's for the long term that it's an, an idea theme that i like i would like to to speak about in five years mm -hmm. so so it's just a matter of working with with people that you know i admire and n i've never thought that the movies I've worked in when I'm working on them that are going to be successful. You know, I, I see all the stitches, I see all the problems and I never feel that, whoa, this is going to be a good movie. You know, it's like, uh, I'm always surviving because I'm think, I think that I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, do the, the worst movie of the director, you know, that I'm going to spoil them, you know, that uh, when I was doing Roma, I was like, 
I hope that I don't, you know, uh, I'm not uh, doing uh, anything wrong. And, you know, it's uh, Alfonso's project and I want to do the best, but I was fear that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not, I, I've never think, I'm not thinking that it's gonna, uh, you know, be nominated or get Oscars or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's hard to, you know, go into a project simply thinking this is the next Academy Award nominated film. I just don't think that's what create arts creates art. No, and I, and when I hear people saying that, you know, that it's an Academy Award project or, you know, it's like I know that they they won't get it. You know, it's like I don't think that, uh, you know, at least I've never thought about my projects like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Adela, I'd love to talk a little bit about Pastel, which you co-founded with Barry and with Mark Seriak. Um, could you talk a little bit about the inception of that and through the years, what has come of it, how you guys are doing? Sure. Um, we we properly launched that company, I think, right on the other side of um, the, the Moonlight Oscars. So... So we're a pretty young company. Would you say 2008 is when you started Pimienta, Nico? You're like 10 years ahead of us. Yes. <laughs> um, that is, yeah, it is you. You are, you are ahead. You are, you are always overachieving. Um, I think we started the company, I guess like it was kind of the op opposite or not maybe opposite. I mean, I guess I was doing like a lone wolf thing for years and years and years, but without the formalized banner of a company um you know producing independently a lot of the movies that you just mentioned at the intro uh and making different partnerships like project specific partnerships but i think always sort of similarly curious about like what it would mean to have a more permanent partnership um and i think kind of low-key always looking for that you know on the on the periphery of every film like maybe is this the one is this the one you know in terms of a of a producing partner and um i think it just made sense i mean barry and i kind of had this idea that maybe on the other side of moonlight we'd launch something and, and that's why we put the put the pastel banner on that film um which really just came down to we were kind of running out of time to come up with a company name before we had to finish the print <laughs> So, um, so we did that. And then Mark is somebody that we, you know, the three of us, Bart, uh, Mark, Barry and myself went to college together in Florida. So we've known each other since we were like, you know, 18, 19 years old. Um, and it just made sense. There's a lot of um, trust. There's a lot of combined experience, both uh, the, the sort of different experiences that we've had that we bring together to the company, but also like, you know, we've lived a lot of life together. And I think there's something really comforting in that, you know, it's, it's more than just a, a business for us. Um, and then as far as the work that we're doing, I mean, we're still, you know, we're, we're still producing the film and, and television projects that Barry's directing, but we're able to do so much more now and so much more than I could do by myself, um, just in terms of uh, continuing to, to, support you know younger or early in their earlier in their careers I guess I would say not really make it about age but like earlier in career directors who are transitioning from maybe shorts to features or documentary to features or, or you know and then also at the same time like working on you know 
a Disney franchise. So it's like a full spectrum kind of shop over here. And, uh, and I'm pretty, yeah, I'm really happy about that. I'm really happy that we get to kind of continue. We shot two debut features this year mm. and the Lion King. So that's like the, that's the pastel brand. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit of everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy though for that. Well, you touched on going to FSU with Barry and Mark and cinematographer James Laxton. I'd love to know about, you know, how you guys met at that school, what your first projects were like, you know, take us back to like you youngins in film school. You know, making student films. Yeah. Um, I wish I could remember the specific occasions upon which I met each of these individuals. Uh, that is so lost to the, to the depths of my memory, but, um, but it was a cool time. It, you know, we were sort of isolated in the armpit of Florida, if you will, which I guess is the armpit of America. <laughs> so there wasn't a lot of influence from, from New York or, or LA. There wasn't a lot of like industry or institutional influence. And yet there was a lot of support because the university was public. It was mm. public funded. Um, your projects were paid for, the film was provided, the film was processed at the school's expense. Um, the equipment was provided, the crew was your classmates. So there's just a lot of opportunity there to actually make stuff and experiment. And um, I think there's a reason that of all the student films, the Adela Romanski, Mark Sariak, James Laxton, Barry Jenkins student movies, like only one person's movies have been seen publicly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a very cool time. Uh, we were We were young and I think um, there's, there was so much growth that, and, and, and growth in ways that I didn't even understand was going to be with me now, you know, 20 years later in terms of the relationships that were made and how impactful they've been on my life and where, I've, where I've ended up. Mm -hmm. Did you guys stay in touch all the way throughout? Like you graduated college and always remained close or did you guys? Yeah, more or less, more or less. I mean, dips and, you know, dips and dips and lulls. I think that's the same word dips and lulls, but, um, but yeah, you know, people traveled. I, I moved to New York. Some of those folks moved to LA, San Francisco, but eventually we all kind of came back together in a, in a more day, day to day existence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Nico, I mean, you founded your production company at 23. That's quite young. Um, is producing something that, you know, you always knew you wanted to do? Like, how did you stumble into this path? Well, I got into production because, you know, it was the easiest way to get in or that I found to get in if you don't get into film school. Since, you know, that I think you can start as a production assistant and, you know, you, you don't need like very advanced knowledge. You know, I, I think you need common sense. You know, you have to be assertive very basic stuff, but that many people do not have, you know, even if uh, they grow up or they go to film school. And, and I think that in production, it was kind of the only door open for me to start since uh, I didn't know knew every, anybody in the industry. So I think that, uh, you know, I started there. I didn't know anything about being a producer. I, you know, it, like in a, my young and naive mind, I thought that it was only directing and acting, kind of like I I, I love cinema, but I didn't got into I didn't go deep in kind of the different branches and everything. And but I have uh, a theory about that, yeah. Nico. I have a theory about why we only know about like directing and acting because you and I, I mean, you you maybe 
maybe because you're closer to Mexico City where you grew up, we're in proximity to like a metropolis. But I think for I think for kids growing up in smaller cities or smaller, yeah, like more um, suburban communities, like we don't get to see all of the other pieces and parts that make up film and, and, the, and the making of film, right? You see the thing that is, is the most celebrated and the most like pushed publicly and consumed, which is, the, which is actors and directors. So if you're like, oh, I love movies, I'd like to tell stories, you think, this is my theory anyways, like you think those are the no, It's exactly that. Anything else. Mm-hmm. It's exactly that. And, 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 and uh, in Cuernavaca, where I grew up in Mexico, you know, like you couldn't see like a, a lot of, uh, the, you, you only had like one art cinema, but maybe one movie a month was presented there. All everything, you know, I, I remember having books, you know, about film and cinema and you would, I don't know, read about special uh, visual effects. But it was kind of, you. I would, you know, I, I, when I re- read about that, it was like kind of like a tool that directors used, you know? Mm. I didn't yeah. kind of like really understood there were more people. And, and, and it was, I was so naive that when I went to, to the, to, to try to get into film school, I got uh, to, to write down in which speciality, like kind of which branch I wanted to become a specialist. And I was like, whoa. You know, it, it, you could be a DP, a post supervisor, producer, and I was like, I've never heard of the other ones, you know. So, a director, you know, and uh, and unfortunately, I got rejected because when when I started working in production, I realized that I liked that the most, that I had more like a, you know, like a, I like I loved it, and I and now that I think when I was a child, I always loved to care about other people, making other people comfortable, being like. You know, being uh, even with my friends and everything, I had this way of being that I think that I, you know, continued having as a producer. That uh, I don't know, you're sitting on the in the first seat, even if you're not driving, you know, and uh, and and I like that, and and I think that uh, that's something I treasure about, you know, uh, uh, finding by mistake, you know, this position because uh, you know I love it. I I, I don't want to be a director. I couldn't see myself as one or acting or anything. You kind of are a natural born producer now that I think about <laughs> think about you as a as a human. I behave like a producer also in no, my I free just time. Mean like you, <laughs> but yeah. Well no like you're you're just like you're an incredible planner and you're like you're a care you really take care of people. Yeah like, and I, I love that. That's and I cannot take it away, you know? It gives you pleasure and joy and it's like just a just a component of what makes you an incredible producer i mean obviously like you have great creative instincts and taste and you're incredibly smart and those things help but i'm just thinking like we're just thinking child That's little it. child nico like a producer in training yeah no and, and and i and i and i found kind of my you know what it was my hobby then it became kind of my my life and i love that you know and 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 and, and it gives me a lot of assurance that that, for example, that I don't have any rush of making 50 more movies or, you know, getting to a goal. It's just like, I love what I do. I love, you know, meeting the people I've met. I think that uh, I'm more in love, you know, for make, you know, cinema more than from the industry. And I, and I think that that kind of helped me to keep the feet on the ground and, you know, caring about the important stuff. So. That's kind of the background. 
<laughs> Adela, what about you? How did you find your role as a producer? Um, I mean, I hate to say I also kind of stumbled into it because I didn't know it was a job. Um, I went, I didn't actually enroll in the film school initially. I, I went to Florida State um, and I was in the theater school and I met the film kids and I don't know, I just, I just had a better time with the film kids, to be honest. Like I found the theater kids in that moment and the faculty, it was just like a bit pretentious um, or less relaxed. I, I don't know what it was, but I, but I met the film kids and I thought, oh, these kids are way more fun. I'm going to switch majors. So I switched <laughs> and then, um, and then that's when they start putting you through the paces and having you jump into all the different, all the different uh, roles and, and crafts. And suddenly I'm gaffing and I'm key gripping and I'm doing production design and props and, and, you know, kind of quickly narrowed in on like one of these things, one or two of these things I'm actually talented and, and they bring me pleasure and the rest of this, like, I don't, I shouldn't be doing anyone the disservice of gaffing their movie, you know, so kind of, kind of naturally, accidentally fell in, fell into it. And um, uh, yeah, there's something really rewarding about um, when you're able to help somebody realize something that is both realizing the thing that's in their head into a format where other people can experience it and also just helping them realize like a dream is kind of, you know, cheesy as maybe that sounds. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I love what you're saying though. There, there is a benefit to trying out so many different hats to actually find the one that fits, you know, instead of like being like, this is the only path. Like you have to be open to finding your own way into what works for you. Um, I'm always curious to hear from other creatives about imposter syndrome because, you know, I have talked to people who are at the top of their game and they're still like, I show up on the first day of set and I'm still kind of terrified that it's all going to go wrong. So Nico, I'd love to hear from you if this is something that, you know, you ever think about like, oh, wow, how the heck am I actually doing this? But yeah. Yeah, I, I think that you're always out of yourself. I don't, I don't think that that stops ever, or at least I, I haven't felt like I know everything or that, uh, you know, I, I, I put my hands on a project that I feel that I can do it while I, while I sleep. Mm. You know, I always feel nervous that I'm going to fail, that I'm not going to be good enough. I remember with Roma, that was, you know, the most challenging project that I, I've done that uh, at the beginning, you know, I didn't read the script. I didn't know all the details. And I think that, you know, not knowing all of that helped me not to panic at all. Because I think if I knew the size of that movie at the beginning, probably I would have freaked out. And I think that, you know, I was like, yeah, why not? It feels like it's something, you know, I've done before. You know, it's a personal project, non-actors with professional actors, you know, this and that. You know, kind of I made myself the idea that I could handle that. And as you know, and as as as, as it started, it, it kept growing and growing and growing. Or I started realizing, you know, the 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 real size of it. And I think that uh, that helped me to to take it one day at a time. Mm. So because sometimes I think that the, the days I have crisis, you know, that uh, I panic. It's because I see that the the immensity of things, you know, that 
if I wake up and I see, you know, like the project, I'm so behind, I'm missing, you know, funding on my project, some problems and everything, I can collapse, you know, in those moments. But if, you know, if I put kind of the dimension of things, it helps me a lot, you know, that, uh, that movies, fortunately, something that it's done within, you know, the, the, the three years or four years. And so kind of, you know, I, I, I learned that it's not the end of the world, any problem, you know, even if you feel it like that, I feel that, uh, you know, I respect, I'm very professional, I'm serious. And I feel that that helps me out to know that, uh, that uh, I'm doing okay. And, 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 and also, you know, in producing it's so different and obviously with directors and in any craft is the same. It's so different if, if Adele produces something, if I produce that movie or a different project, like you'll never have a, a comparison. You know, you cannot compare sometimes, you know, what could have been if somebody else produced Roma or what mm -hmm. have, you know, like I, 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 I try to get uh, at the end of my project, kind of my own feedback. You know, I love to go back in history and see, okay, if, you know, how did I do with the budget? What happened as expected? What decisions were the worst ones, uh, you know, I, I took or the ones I would have done differently. But, and I love that kind of, you know, kind of uh, learning process for myself because it's so different and every movie is so, so, so special that it's hard sometimes to, to, to have this security that, you know, you go to work, you push the red button 10 times and then, you know, you go home and everything will be all right. And here it's, you know, dealing with all the things going wrong every day that, you know, it, it never ends, you know, the feeling, having that nervous, but I would feel that, you know, people being in production have to love producing. I think mm -hmm. if not, it's like a torture. Yeah. Um, Adela, I'm curious how you have mentally prepared for projects that are so vast and so much more ambitious than previous projects. How have I prepared for projects that are bigger? Huh. That's interesting. Cause I kind of think that having the idea that like each subsequent project is, is in some way more ambitious than the last is like the thing that makes it mm -hmm. exciting. You know, mm -hmm. the, the challenge of something new. Um, I, you know, it, it's, it's, it probably like, if I'm being honest is mildly overwhelming, but at the same time, it's what keeps it interesting and exciting to like, keep charting forward. You know, you don't want to like, I don't want to just run around the same track. Mm -hmm. you know, I want to kind of like be running always a new path. Um, I mean, I think the simplest thing that I've relied upon when I'm getting into to uncharted waters is, is just community, you know, and being able to reach out to people and just hear their experiences or, or ask recommendations or reflections, you know, to kind of prepare and at least carry, carry a little bit of, of somebody else's experience forward, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of just enjoy the process of of diving blindly in beyond beyond what I don't, you know, what what I can't amass from other people's previous experiences, just welcoming the sort of 
like the good, the good fear, I guess I would call that like the good fear of diving into something unknown yeah, and being excited for what those, those results are both in terms of the actual result of the thing you're making, but also just experientially. Yeah. I mean, you touched on again, how important it is to have that kind of, um, those friendships that are stones that you can turn to and really, you know, get advice. And I mean, that's kind of what you two have established with each other. So yeah, I think that's, that's greatly important. Um, as producers, you guys have to sometimes toe the line between the creative collaborator with the director and also the bearer of bad news if, you know, whatever they want to do, it just isn't feasible with the budget. So I'm curious how you handle having those conversations with directors. I mean, obviously it's a case by case basis, but you know, when their expectations exceed what's budgeted, how do you have that conversation? Nico, do you want to start? Yeah, sorry, the coffee machine was grinding, but now I'm ready. <laughs> if you want to mark for edit. No, but uh, I, I feel that it, it's very important to exercise, you know, honesty and communication. I cannot say it's easy. Déjame, one second. It's Send me one, Nico. Yeah, sorry. Actually, it's a, a coffee from LA. That, uh, Tanya gave me from her friend uh, that she saw in Montana. That I'll I'll tell you which one is, but uh, it's it's quite good. But sorry, and uh, no, but boy, the no, I I, I think that's no. Ya le ya no le pique. Monday. Ah, okay, okay. Sorry, just. Te mando saludos, Adela. Okay, that it says three guys too. Yeah, that, oh, this that's, is all staying in. This is all staying in. Nico got his coffee. We're all good. <laughs> all right. And um, no, I, I feel that it's it's important to have you know communication and honesty with all your collaborators. And and, and it's very hard. Uh, you know, my only way of explaining this is that I'm I'm not the best at it. And I've tried, you know, a lot in a daily basis. Like I do feel that I'm better than 10 years ago, you know, in the way of, you know, communicating with my colleagues in my life, in everything. I'm trying always to do it better and better because I think that if you want to do this for the rest of your life, or at least for the long term, I think you want to kind of travel in, in, in better roads each time, I would say, you know, like I don't want to be killing myself for a movie, you know, I want to find ways of, you know, working with people that if we have to take tough this, uh, decisions that they will be mature enough to, to, to understand that, you know, to be team players, because I would say I'm a creative producer. I, I believe I'm a filmmaker. I don't feel that I'm just a, bu a bureaucrat that, you know, just signs checks and, 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 you know, pretends to, to, to know about film. It's like, I, 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 I love doing movies and I really put a big, part of my life and my quality time in doing this. So it's just, you know, trying to, 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 to be with people that value that, you know, that, uh, that they know that you're gonna be in the bad times with them and, and you need to feel the same from them, you know, that, they, that uh, you'll, you know, when something's not possible, 
you'll have option A or B or C to offer. But when those are not possible either, that you might have to, you know, to reduce one scene or something. But I feel that directors in my in my experience, most of the times listen. If they do feel that, you know, that, that, uh, that uh, closeness with, with the producer. You know, if, if it's a producer that is, has never been in set, doesn't care, you know, like, like they say stupid things in a meeting because they didn't even read the script or anything, you know, that they feel that. And I feel that they, their, their protection bubble is to kind of defend the movie against even the producer. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, you know, kind of by being honest and, and you know, try to, to find at the beginning, you know, what's the goal with the project? Where, you know, what's the goal? Where are you heading to? You know, where, uh, and, and, and you as a producer, you know, carry the map and, and remind them, you know, where you wanted to go since the beginning, you know, maybe you can detour a little bit, but, but I feel that they listen if they consider producers as, you know, as a partner and not the enemy. And, and, and that has helped me in most of the cases, because, you know, I don't want to, even if it's the most famous director, I don't want to work with them. If I don't feel that in the bad times, they're going to, you know, s- support me because, you know, I put a lot of stuff in, you know, on, 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 on risk, financially, legally, time and everything. And, uh, and I just want to, you know, be with nice people, the nicest people around. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think, Adele? I think maybe we needed to, you needed to ask somebody else to be on this podcast with us that has more of a contradictory point of view. <laughs> no, I love share a lot of the same um, ideology, you know, <laughs> filmmaking. But look, I think like, I, I think hard conversations are always hard conversations. And mm. I can, I can be so chill and regular and normal and conversational. But the minute I have to call somebody and be like, hey, I don't know if we're going to get the thing that you've told me is the most important thing to you. Or, you know, we need to have a difficult conversation about schedule or legal or, you know, cast. I become like a cyborg. All of a sudden I'm like, like, can't, you know, can't just be, you know, the the normal chill person I am because it, it is hard and it is stressful to have to say those things to somebody that yeah, you're scared that maybe they're going to suddenly see you as being on the opposing side when this whole time you've considered yourself a team and you don't ever want to threaten that relationship, um, you know, uh, that team structure. And I guess like to echo what Nico said, as long as, I think if you can build a relationship on honesty and trust, then hopefully when you are coming to these difficult moments and saying, we have to take something away effect- effectively because that's usually kind of what it's about. Like they, the, the filmmaker will believe you because you've been honest with each other about every moment leading up to that moment. So there isn't automatically this distrust of the information that you're now bringing. And also I, I really try to with a solution that actually might accomplish both what the production needs and what they as the director or filmmaker need, if that makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. if I have to come and say, we need to cut, we need to cut some days from filming or something to, to, to hit the budget. If they can propose to me something else that, you know, achieves what we need with the budget, 
but doesn't cut the days, like I'm there for that. I don't need to be right. I don't care about like winning that conversation. I'm really happy actually if, if they can propose an alternative that I haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes people can get a little funny about like, I don't know, feeling, feeling like the information they're bringing is somehow personal and proprietary and therefore like, I, I have to be correct in my side, even though if you stop and take a step back, you realize it's actually in everyone's collective best interests. If you, like Nico was saying, kind of stay the roadmap of the, of the film. Yeah. Not sure if that mm -hmm. made sense, but it made sense in my mind. No, it didn't. Yeah, but something that you do very well, Adela, it's that, uh, Adela, <laughs> and it's that, um, you're very precise and concise when, when you speak, you know, have you have very, clarity of you know of, of 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 things i would say like you know exactly what you want you know how to accomplish it like it it feels i, I don't know that when when i speak to you is that you know like you understand the problems from all the different perspectives and uh, and you can communicate easily and i think that sometimes for me for example it's hard to communicate you know exactly what i you know what i really know i want to say you know and 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 that's, I, I think, a, a great tool, you know, to, to go straight to the point. I don't know if it's my, my I don't know, the, my way of being, you know, in, in Mexico that, you know, that uh, sometimes you go around things more than, that, that in, in, that, in, that in the U.S. that I feel that my conversations usually are more, you know, straight and I like that. Well, we would call that having a, having a good bedside manner. And I do think some people would appreciate if I was less direct. <laughs> and less blunt, um, but you know, those people don't, don't have to work with me um, and I don't have to work with them. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's for, sometimes, for example, what I do, you know, sometimes when I have not only one problem that I have to address, but I have 10, sometimes I choose, you know, from one to 10, because I know if I sit in a meeting and I have to, you know, t talk about 10 hard, you know, items on my list, it's going to be a, a big crisis. So, so because sometimes you cannot, you know, when, for example, when you're shooting, you cannot have the time to, to, uh, you know, at the end of the day to sit down for three hours and discuss, you know, all the problems. It's like, I choose the, you know, the, the, the most important ones. And I know that the little ones I can, you know, live with them. Or sometimes I, you know, bring to the table some bad news and good news, you know, so, so it helps. So you, you kind of find ways because, you have to get through the day and, and, and start the next day, you know? And, and, and I think that's, uh, I think when you're a good producer, you find ways to measure what's the, you know, the biggest benefit and, you know, like kind of the, 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 the biggest goal and the risk and everything. So that's why I say that you have to be assertive. And I think that, you know, then, then, you know, you can let go projects easily if, 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 if you're, gut feeling tells you, you know, you won't be able to, to solve it or etc. Et yeah, it's, I mean, it's really hard, man. I like, I, I think when I was a younger producer, I was really reluctant to bring the bad news at the end of the day, you know, because I was so mindful of how the director, just kind of the space that they were in like emotionally you know mentally because that whoever's directing that movie is in that moment doing the hardest thing they've ever done right 
and you just hate to be the person at the end of the day to pile onto that. But I think with time and maturity, you start to figure out what you need to say, when you need to say it, how to be comfortable just coming right out and saying it, you know? Um, But yeah, it doesn't exactly like get easier. No, but at least I feel that I, I like producing has helped me in many ways, you know, being a, a you know, a, a, a person that communicates better. I'm, you know, like uh, I, I think of my of myself 15 years ago and I, I was a mess, you know, like I was always worried, like I, I have this producing, you know, nature since I was a kid, but I was always, you know, worrying that people, you know, were, were having fun, that what they wanted to eat, how they, you know, I could trigger their best part in a, in a collaboration, in a project and, but, but uh, I was always afraid of doing it wrong, you know, of saying it incorrectly, you know, since I, I never went to film school, I didn't have like, let's say all the knowledge you know, about cinema, you know? Well, yeah, they yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, they don't, they don't you teach know? you how to, well, they don't teach producing and they didn't teach it in my school, let alone. No. Yeah, it should be like, there should be more, what would you call that? Like classes on like constructive- Etiquette, yeah. Yeah. Etiquette. No, because it's hard to give notes to somebody about a script that you like, you like the person, you want to do it, but how can you improve it? You know, because saying the wrong words can take it to a complete other, in a different direction that, you know, you, you didn't want, even want it to go to that direction. And I'm, you know, continuously learning on how to, to, to manage my communication because it's it's complicated when you're dealing most of the day with problems you know it's not the that you know it's you you have more problems i would say on a daily basis than good news you know that uh, excite you the most I, I think that you know like if if you put a number like good news count 10 but one bad news counts 20 you know so so it's always how to 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 keep a balance on that Minus 20. I think you're an excellent communicator, Nico, and in, a, and in your second language, no less. Um, but I, but I also agree with you. Like it, it, uh, it's a, it's a constant process of, of learning and strengthening our communication styles. Um, yeah. Mm. Nico, I'd love to hear about your work with um, Tatiana Hueso, the director of Prayers for the Stolen. And, you know, you two had previously collaborated on Tempestad, which is a documentary, and Prayers for the Stolen happens to be her first narrative film. Um, So could you just describe the experience of producing the documentary and how that then shifted to this narrative film, which is beautiful, by the way. I absolutely love it. I've been working with Tatiana for 11 years uh, around that. And... uh, and I don't know, it's kind of like almost a life together. I've learned a lot, you know, from, from a lot of people, not only her, but, but uh, I, I had like great mentors, you know, but in my professional life, since I didn't do film school, I went directly to, to work and, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, brought me, brought me to their wing since the beginning. And, and Tatiana, you know, invited me to this documentary that, uh, that it was her first feature. And I didn't know anything about documentaries. Like if in Cuernavaca, I didn't get, you know, many movies, documentaries was like 0.1% of the movies shown there. So, you know, it, the documentaries had like bad reputation in terms that they were boring, that, you know, like talking faces. And 
that's the only like it has a like a very limited knowledge about dogs and I needed the work I, you know my father was sick I needed to pay the bills and you know when when I got invited to this project because the producer that was doing it kind of stepped down I said yes and I was very clear you know that I needed the work and I didn't know anything but since I had a, a big need for the job I was uh, you know I was not going to throw the towel and uh, and, and and I think something that helped Tatiana at that time is what that was I was not going to be an enemy especially when you're young you kind of want to keep you know the, the 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 your team next to you you know you go out from film school you want to work with the dp that you studied with you know that went to the same school you and i was kind of an external element but since but i was not a challenge and i think that in my career that has helped a lot that i started so young and and, and nobody saw me for my age as a challenge you know like they were like oh he's nice and you know, and, and I think that in the bottom, they were thinking that, you know, I, I'll, I'll be able to do whatever mm. I want. And, uh, and I think that th that gave her a lot of, you know, confidence that, you know, that I, only, I, I, I did in that movie, only the, 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 the things I, I thought I had to do, you know, the technical stuff, keeping the production safe. And we saw, we shot in El Salvador and, and, and she was in charge of all the creative. I, I didn't get involved on that. And when I saw the movie, I was like, wow, we did this, you know? Uh, it, was, it was amazing. It's one of my favorite movies. I think she's so talented. And, and I think that she liked that and because she came back for her second doc. And, but I had already catched up a little bit in between doing a lot of movies. And, and I felt that I was not still a challenge. And I also feel that in Roma, for example, going you know, to more, more recent times, you know, I was not a challenge in that sense. You know, I was, you know, a, a, a fan trying to, you know, keep it, to make a dream come true. And, and, and I feel that that's something that uh, with Tatiana and other filmmakers have been, you know, uh, a, 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 um, uh, the good part of our relationship, you know, that, you know, I wanna help the other person you know, beyond the, the, the highest creative place they can be. And, uh, and when we did Prayers for the Stolen, it was her first fiction. But uh, I think that I, I brought a lot, of, a lot of stuff to the table. It was after I've, I had done more than 30 movies, you know, that, uh, that I helped, you know, helped her, you know, going through this different road. And, uh, and I'm very happy because it was also a very tough project. You know, it was right after Roma and, and it's incredible because Roma ha happened when I was 29 and, uh, and that could have happened when I was 50 and, and it would have still be an honor, you know, working with such a filmmaker. And it came before of time. And, you know, oh, oh, people would ask me like, hey, now it's gonna be easy for you because, you know, the money will come from, you know, the, the money tree and, you know, like, after Roma, everything is gonna be like down the hill. And, and, and it's not true because I did this movie and I think it was as tough as Roma and mm -hmm. you know, the same challenges and, 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 and the same care you have to put into the smallest project and to the biggest project. And I was very proud that, you know, at the end, you know, uh, you know we survived together and we did a movie that we're very proud of that uh, it worked. So, I feel that uh, it's it's the longest collaboration I have with a director mm -hmm. so far, and I feel that uh, also I what I love about that is that 
we don't have to be friends in real life. It's not that we're not friends, but you know, with different ages, she has a, a young daughter, she lives in the mountains and, and our biggest tie is movies. So, mm. and I feel that also that's a benefit I got of, you know, sometimes of the different of, of age with the directors I work with, that the biggest connection is film. And, you know, we can, we don't have to be, you know, like uh, spending time together just because or something. So it's just, you know, making the best possible movie. Mm. Yeah, you don't have to be buddy-buddy. You guys are just there yeah. to do the film. Yeah, and you can still respect each other. It doesn't mean you don't enjoy each other's time, but you don't have to be best friends exactly. with everyone you work with. <laughs> exactly, and with Adele, she's my best friend. And, uh, <laughs> and we haven't worked, and you know, but I treasure more that, you know? As, as she said previously, like, we don't know if we have to work together because, you know, we, we, we try to spend as much time together, you know, those kind of relationships that you don't have to talk every day, but, you know, every, every, every moment is quality time and it's amazing. And, you know, we, I think I, I spent more time than with her than with many people from my family, for example, you know, we travel together. And, and for me, I think that uh, that's something I love about the uh, film that you have, chosen family that, uh, you know, that it's with very strong roots, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, a day like you served as producer on the Underground Railroad, which, you know, I found to be a very true representation from Colson Whitehead's book. And I'd love to hear a little bit about the process of adapting that and taking those words and actually, like, you know, putting them on a screen. Well, all, all credit due to Barry in the writer's room did not that did not put pen to paper um but that you know prior to now starting up on on the lion king like that was the biggest hardest most ambitious thing uh, that we had ever done as a team and it's it, it's so interesting sometimes to like think about the inception point of of projects because it really that started that project started right around when I met you, Nico. Like that was when, you know, at end of, yeah. end of 2018, I think Moonlight had only maybe been to, no, wait, sorry, Moonlight, not even Beale Street. It goes back to Moonlight. Like Moonlight had been to Telluride when that book was being released or about to be released. And, you know, we kind of approached Colson and said that Barry would like to do the adaptation. Oh, who's Barry? Oh, you know, he's, he's made this one movie, Medicine for Melancholy. And we have a new one that we're about to, start releasing can we show it to you and just to think about how long from that point to you know now the, the show just came up this year on amazon it was uh the the lives of of these projects are so long um but that was that was it <laughs> it was a beast of a project we we started on the one side um with an evacuation on the beginning of our production we were evacuated for a hurricane and on the end of our production, evacuated for a pandemic, a global pandemic. So we were sandwiched between a hurricane and a global pandemic, if that gives you any indication of, what, of the experience of making that show for the 114 days that we shot, shot that show, um, which I realize is probably how long you guys also shot Roma. So maybe that doesn't sound so crazy when I say it now, but um, it, was, it was big. It was really, really big, but also so incredibly rewarding. Um, you know, I, I think it's such an incredible piece of work. And I say that on behalf of like Barry and the artists, not myself, you know, I am 
I, I am but a humble servant, you know, to that process. So, <laughs> but I mean, you did, you served as a conduit to ensure that their vision was on the screen. You know, I think, you no, know, I lived in Georgia for one year. I was in it. I yeah. was, but yeah. Um, but I, you know, I'm incredibly proud of how that, of how that turned out. And I wish that, you know, it's, it's the jump from film to TV. I think one of the most interesting for me discoveries about that is you just don't have the same, I don't feel like you're in the same conversation with the audience mm -hmm. where you know how people are receiving the work that they are even receiving it at all because you're, because you just kind of like put it on this platform mm -hmm. and it's there for people to find. And you don't know if they're finding it really. It's not like when you're releasing in theaters and you're getting the, the, the reporting back from the theaters of how many people came and how many ticket sales. And, Oh, now we're opening in more theaters or we went to this festival and we got, you know, and you guys have been getting all these audience awards for, for Tatiana's film. So, you know, people are responding to the film. And I think, um, and now, you know, the industry is responding to the film because you've got the, the entry for Mexico. And I think it's interesting in, in TV to not have that same barometer of, of audience experience. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but on the flip, like I do actually enjoy what's available to us right now in terms of storytelling in, in the television medium. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, um, were these conversations that you guys were having while you were shooting, like considering the difference between a feature and how this was gonna be you know, seen at home streaming, or did you guys just embark this with that same mentality you've had with, when you've done features? No, I think we, the way that we talked about it as streaming and on platform was to do more in how we were, how we were making the, making the show and finishing the show and thinking about how we wanted, you know, in terms of, of the narrative across 10 hours, roughly, you know, like thinking about how things were going to be held onto and remembered and carried across the 10 hour experience. And when things from episode, you know, th three, we're gonna pay off in episode six or that kind of thing, those conversations, um, definitely in terms of like finishing color and sound. And, and again, things like that, thinking of a, of a home audience and like how we wanted to push the boundaries of what a home audience had experienced before, but not really thinking about how that audience was going to be in conversation with us later or not in conversation with us later. That didn't, that didn't really come to the surface in, in those, uh, in those conversations. Not that mm -hmm. I remember. Um, all right. Well, I have one more question for you guys before we move into our little fun lightning round. Uh, Nico, I'll start with you. What advice would you give 20 year old Nico? Wow. So, so many, like, <laughs> like you have to hurry. Life is so short No, but uh, I, I, I feel that I, I, I would have, you know, told me, you know, something about, you know, not uh, like dreaming high, but with the feet on the ground and keeping the, you know, feet on the ground. I think that's something that I feel that I have to battle every, every day and, you know, to, to, keep perspective and know what's important, what's not important. And I think that when you're young, you know, it's very easy to, to get lost a, li a little bit, you know, in terms of, you know, how you choose, how you make decisions. So 
I, I feel that uh, and also you know that uh, to tell me that it was going to be tough because I think that at the beginning I didn't think it was so tough as it is in real life. You know, everybody thinks that making films and everything is only a red carpet. Nobody understands what a producer does. You know, and and then I feel that uh, you know, uh, but I don't know. I like I, I like what the, the past Nico did, so I wouldn't put it on him. <laughs> Stay on your path, Ken. Yeah, Adela, what yeah. about you? Um, yeah, it's it, yeah. I mean, it's hard to be too critical of younger Adela because older Adela, older Adela <laughs> is very happy with where the path has le has led, mm -hmm. based on say decisions that younger naiver Adela, naiver more naive Adela made. Um, but I think. The thing I look back on and, and realize maybe could have been different and still ended, ended with the same result, um, but maybe with a little less like emotional collateral damage is just to be, I was like maybe a bit too righteous when I was younger, you know, just in terms of um, like everything had to be a fight. And I think now I have a better perspective on when to fight and when to let go um and I think when I was younger I couldn't let go of anything everything had to be a fight and maybe that's because I was a still a Scorpio Scorp Scorpion Scorpio and and I hadn't transitioned to my eagle phase of Scorpio <laughs> if you're in astrology for those listening at home um yeah. <laughs> cool both great great things but at the same time you know you had to you had to do do that to learn to let things go you know but i could have a few more or a few less battle scars maybe right if I had right all parts, you know true uh, yeah um okay so we're gonna do a couple lightning round silly questions nico we'll start with you and then adela you'll answer after him okay what's your favorite midnight snack well I eat a lot of snacks uh, most recently because my girlfriend likes a lot of midnight snacks. So I usually eat whatever it's available on her drawer. So it's basically, <laughs> it's uh, Hershey's, you know, chocolate, Carlos Quinto, which is like this ice cold popsicle that are made of chocolate that are amazing. But it's mainly chocolate that, uh, you know, I always say I don't want anything. And once she's kind of eating like a little mouse, you know, uh, I, I, I like I get inspired to to get a little <laughs> bit of and you have to you know like wash your teeth uh, like twice or three times because you know that's how it goes. <laughs> Adela? Um, I think frozen dumplings or mm -hmm. I should say like dumpling, dumplings out of my freezer that I cook up in the pan are probably the most common go-to late night. Yeah. Salty. That's, that's a whole thing you're like you're cooking. <laughs> They're yeah, cooking is, ish, is ish. Yeah. I mean, it's better than just reaching in a drawer. <laughs> Nico's like still in bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mine person. I don't know. I would say mine's a quesadilla. Yeah, I definitely am more savory leaning than sweet. Yeah, quesadilla. That's kind of you know what we eat all day long with a need a snack. Cooking, no, you you're cook? right. You're right. You're right. But I mean, it's just warming up. Yeah, it, it does. I it's kind of the same as dumplings. I make a bigger mess making a quesadilla than I do making 
Don't but maybe it. that's because I'm a gringa. I don't know how to do Yeah, this. exactly. I've got years. <laughs> You're like, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, Adele, I'll start with you for this one. What is the most bizarre location you've ever filmed in? I don't know. I, my, my memory is just completely like, zoinked at this point. But um, so I only have the most recent experiences in my mind, but we did just shoot in a big tomato warehouse in rural Turkey and wow. we used it as a soundstage. So we showed up for our tech scout and it's full of boxes of tomatoes that are getting ready to go to market. And there's hundreds of people in there doing the whole oh, no. around like this is two sets in there. <laughs> so. so the tomato, yeah. Nico, what about you? I, I shot like two years ago in a Canadian movie called Lost Birds that uh, now it's Drunken Birds, that it's the Canadian submission to the Oscars this year. And it's, uh, you know, they were looking like for an hacienda, like for kind of like narco hacienda. And we found this place that it was kind of like real life location, you know, like it was such a weird place that it has even like a carousel, como se llama carousel, like a carousel. a carousel inside the house, you know, like with a real one with the pool and a, like a hospital inside the house and you know like a like yeah like a um i don't know very weird places uh, like a, the rodeo but inside you had like these weird uh aztec figures next to a carousel next to, you know it was kind of you know like lions of course in, you know like uh in in the garden and you know those places like that you don't know if if you, you know, you want to shoot there, you want to run away, mm. you know, but it's, uh, it was a very weird place to, to shoot at. Yeah, it sounds like it's a little haunted. Yeah. Um, okay, Adela, if you could have any job outside the industry, what would it and be? In a haunted former um, insane asylum. I can't remember anything until people help me remember the places we've been. Uh, what would I do if I didn't make movies? I, I would make ice cream. Ooh. Ice cream. What would be your <laughs> like? What would be your top selling flavor? My best for right now is vanilla bean. Hmm. Yeah, good I've vanilla. Experiment. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Nico, I, love, I love that my happy place is close to Adele's, you know, like kind of, I think that when I'm into, you know, big problems or stuff that I cannot, uh, you know, find a solution for. And, you know, I go to these happy places where I'm not doing film and, you know, I'm doing kombucha or I'm doing uh, uh, mermeladas, you know, like, I don't know, it's, uh, what, how do you say it called? Marmalade. Or like, yeah, Marmalade. Jelly. Yeah, yeah, jelly, you know, something you know, far away in the mountains. So yeah. I, I would definitely, you know, put a kombucha bar or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you can put an ice cream local. I'll do my local and you can put one for kombucha right next to it. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to make a, ma a mame flavor for you at some point. Oh. I got to figure it out. It. Okay, I would wow. love that. that sounds I'm amazing. so honored. Um, all right, last one. <laughs> Nico, what is your guilty pleasure film, as in a film that you're a little embarrassed to say that you love watching? 
I, would, I wouldn't say that I'm very mm -hmm. embarrassed by saying this title, but I really love, you know, but even uh, I saw it recently, the, li <clears throat> the Little Rascals. Mm. I, you know, I love all of it. And, you know, like, oh, I feel that it's more than a guilty pleasure. It's just kind of that movie that really, you know, I feel, feel funny of still gets, you know, so excited about and it's so, you know, fun and, and everything. <laughs> Adela, what about you? The pleasure film is also my favorite film. So they're, they're the same movie. Uh, it's The Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, is that the, the Tom Cruise one? 100% the Tom Cruise. That movie's really fun. That movie's really good. That movie's excellent. I watch that movie at least once a year. I can find somebody who hasn't seen it before. You're like, we have to watch this. I love that. You've never I seen it? Just... Yeah, now I kind of want to rewatch it, honestly. Um... All right. Well, that's that's what I had. This was really, really fun. Thank you both for, you know, hopping on and sharing your thoughts and your whole life story with me. Um, do you guys have anything you wanted to add? No, that, uh, you know, I think uh, it's it's great, you know, being part of of this podcast and also connecting with Adela that it's been a while since we last talked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two whole weeks. Um, <laughs> this was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Good. Thanks, well, thanks to you both. And, uh, uh, I want to give a quick yeah. shout out to the rest of my team. We've got Aaron Wilde, Doug Torres, Matthew Wolf, and Jimena Prieto. Uh, everyone listening, be sure to follow Film Roundtable on Instagram um, to stay up to date on our upcoming conversations. Subscribe to the YouTube, to the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Um, thanks, everyone. I hope to see you all soon.